Reading to you from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Beginning in verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Verse 14 is for our text. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. I want to preach to you with the help of the Lord this morning on a message entitled, Change Your World. Change Your your world. Let us pray. Reverend Tuig, sir, would you please pray over our messenger messenger. You may be seated. The story goes, there was a middle-aged, kind man dining in a cafe one evening. As he was there, he looked and saw a younger woman resting her head on the counter. He wasn't sure if she was asleep or affected by drugs. But his heart went out to her in compassion. So he bought a meal and placed it there next to her. She, when he placed it there, awoke and saw the kindness of the stranger, took the plate and went to sit down next to him. First he was taken aback. He wasn't trying to be flirty or anything, just wanted to be kind to this woman. It was obvious that she was probably a lady of the night. And so at first he hesitated in letting her sit down, but then he thought again and she sat down. And he began to talk to her. She was thankful for the kindness of a stranger. And as they talked, she began to trust him more. And then she reached into her purse and pulled out a CD. And on the CD, it, it had her name. I think it was Alina. Alina Sings. And he looked at her and said, oh, so you're a singer. And she said, well, I think we both know what I really am. And he looked her in the eyes and said, Alina, you can be whatever you want to be. And she said, huh, maybe in your world, not in mine. And then he looked at her and said, change your world then. Change your world then. When you hear that story, it echoes with so many things in our life. She really was telling the truth. There are certain worlds that hinder us from changing. There are certain places that we are in that nobody wants you to get too far ahead. There are certain places that keep you from being a brand new you in a brand new year. And so over and over again we find in the Word of God how that God was in the habit of leading people from one world into another world. 
Go back to Egypt. And you find Moses leading the children of Israel out of slavery, out of bondage, into the promised land. You can look and find, even in the New Testament, places, and this is amazing to me, places where it seemed as if Jesus said, I can't do many mighty works there, the scripture tells us, because of their unbelief. One time, he even led a blind man out of the city. Because we can look back and find that city had been cursed. And so before the miracle could take place, he had to change his world. Got to get into a different place. We can even look back into the Old Testament how Lot and his daughters had to be led out of Sodom and Gomorrah. They had to change their world. I think about that sometimes because I'm not against New Year's resolutions. I think it's a great time to make a promise to be different. I think it's a great time to make a commitment to change. But it's almost cliche that some people will say, well, you're going to break your New Year's resolutions. It doesn't have to be that way. But to see some of those, especially the spiritual ones, come true, you're going to have to change your world. You're going to have to get out of where you're at and get into a new place. You know, it's possible for somebody who was born in sin to stop one particular sin. You might hear of people who were drug addicts and became sober, clean. You might find people who used to be adulterers that one day decided they were going to be faithful to their spouse. And they might discipline themselves in one way. Maybe you used to be a cursor and now you speak pure. But there's one thing you can't do. You can't get out of a sinful situation completely without being your, having your world changed. The Bible said we were born in sin. We were shapen in iniquity. Everything about us is stained with the flesh and with the world and sin. And you might scrub a little section of your garment clean and say, look how pretty that is when you stink from head to toe everywhere else. You might get one little section of your forehead clean when everything else is covered with filth and sin. That's what a person who gets one little aspect of their life is like. One section clean, but everything else is still dirty. You need not just to have that one section clean, but you need to get out of the pig pen if you want to be clean. Have you ever been in a situation where you had some nice clothes on and you were in a dirty area and you were just kind of trying to walk by and not scrape anything and get anything dusty? You know what I'm talking about? Ladies, some of you did that this morning when you were getting in your car, right? (laughs) Grab that dress. We're very careful about stepping in because you didn't want to get anything dusty. But it's very hard to stay clean in a dirty situation. And so a mind that's unsaved, a mind that's in sin, a a person that's in that world of sin has an impossible time overcoming the nature of sin without having their mind changed and their world changed. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be graduated from this earth or taken from (laughs) sin city. You say, that's that's Las Vegas. Well, it's wherever people are not living right for God. That's St. Louis too, amen? 
But where can you go? There may be a city named heaven on this earth, but it's not a sin-free city. Amen? There may be a new Jerusalem town on this planet somewhere, but we know it's not the new Jerusalem. And so God goes about trying to lead men and women to change their world. But here's the truth of the matter. Just like that man was telling that young uh, prostitute, hey, you can be at whatever you want to. He said, but not in my world. But you've got to change your world. And so sometimes people on the outside are beckoning someone to make a difference. They're encouraging them to be free. They want you to be delivered. But in your mind, if you don't, in your heart and in your mind, say, I want the change. I want to be saved. I want to be delivered. It doesn't matter how much anybody on the outside can help you or speaks to you. If you're here this morning, by the way, can you do me a favor? Can you put your phones away? Amen. How do you know? Because I'm looking at your forehead and I can see sometimes. A <laughs> I'm sure nothing is, is as important as God's word. Amen. If you came to church, you might as well get the message, right? Sometimes tease if someone's phone was more than 10 feet from them, you're afraid that their heart's going to stop, right? My Lord, my phone, where is it at? It'll be all right. You'll survive. God wants to change our world, but he's got to get, first there's got to be a desire that we must want to change. When we come to church and you sense that sometimes it's in the house of God where God shows us very clearly that we have all sinned. He shows us very clearly that at the end of this life, if we stay in sin, we're going to end up going to the bad place, hell and the lake of fire. And when you're sitting there and you understand that, you recognize, I don't want to go there. Sometimes people think they do their family a favor by not taking their children to the funerals of relatives. That doesn't help them. Because you got to understand, we got to get ready to die. A sister asked me this morning, what's the age of accountability? Is there a cutoff? And I exp- meaning that there are some people that say your child has to be 12 or 13, and that's when they are responsible for their own salvation. Some, they, sometimes they give a, a solid number, but the truth is that every child matures differently. And every child comes to that understanding of right and wrong and evil and, and sin at a certain time. We as parents must teach them from the, the youngest time, as soon as they start understanding what's right and wrong, about how they need to be saved and how they need to be changed and how that they have to make a decision for Christ one day. We, we cannot automatically say, well, they're safe until they're 18 underneath my auspices. That's not true. Because if they understand what's right and wrong beforehand and they're not born again, then they'll die and go to hell. I don't want that. God doesn't want that. And so we have a responsibility. There is an urgency. And so somehow shielding them from the reality of death. Now, I'm not trying to be gruesome and, and dark or anything, but these are things that happen in life. And so sometimes if you, if you keep that from them, then suddenly, the, uh, I think it was Viktor Frankl who was talking about, he went to uh, teach a college class. And in the college class, he was telling the story, he was there, I can't recall. But in the college class, one of their, one of their classmates died. And the students all attended the funeral, and there were some that just had this, this uh, horrible reaction, weren't able to function afterwards. And he was kind of digging down, like, what's going on? And he found out that throughout their childhood, 
Their parents had kept many of them from ever experiencing or having to deal with the funeral or death. And so now when they're face to face with it with one of their uh, classmates, it, it was shattering for them. You got to understand something. 100 out of every 100 people are one day going to die. There is a life after this life. This life is not everything. Now it's sad you say that you're saying we're all going to die. No, it's true. And I want to share with you that there is a life after this life. There is another world after this world. And you've got to be prepared in this world to be able to go to that world. Amen? We must change our world. Jesus says it this way. You must be born again. Because being born into sin and being born into this world and not having a heart change will lead us to frustration. How can you live a pure life with an impure heart? How can you have a changed uh, uh, way of living when your heart and mind is unchanged? You've got to start on the inside. And Jesus made a way for us to be changed on the inside. He said, if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He said, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, you've got to change. First, there's that heart that says, I want to be different. And then there's that desire that says, I will put my faith in God. And when we do those things, we have a double cure. He not only cleanses us from sin... But he puts us into a situation, a new world, where he gives us the ability not to continue in sin anymore. He gives us clean clothes and a clean environment. Spiritually, to where we're no longer worried about stumbling. You know, it's been 30-some years since I got saved. My wife does not have to handcuff my hand to the steering wheel to keep me from going to the liquor store. She does not have to check my uh, internet web browser to see if I'm going to the wrong places. Are you still with me? She's not, she, she has never heard me use a curse word. Is that true? My son's never heard me use a curse word. He's 16 years old. Because one day God took it out of me. And I'm not, that's not a boasting thing. There is a possibility for you to be changed. Isn't that good news? Isn't that better than thinking that you could just be renovated and remodeled? Sometimes you get into a house that's been renovated and remodeled, and you look at it, you get behind the, the surface, and you find out, man, they put uh, clean sheetrock over rotten boards. And you push it, and it's ready to fall over. I don't want that. I want a brand new building. Amen. And God makes us new. He said, I will give you a new heart. I, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You can change your world spiritually. I got two more worlds. I won't keep you long. We must change our world spiritually. You got to be born again. But we must change our world in the faith realm. There are some people that dwell in unbelief and doubt, even after they get saved. You talk to them and they say, oh, I think I'm going to get a cold. I think I'm getting sick. I don't think I'm ever going to get out of this situation. I'm stuck here. I'm always going to be in debt. Uh, nothing's ever going to change. And you try to speak some encouragement to them. Pastor Davis used to say, they'd kick if you hung them with a brand new rope. <laughs> you try to give them some encouragement. All they can see is the negative stuff. 
You've got to learn that if you want to, even after you're born again, if you want to change your world, you've got to get around some people that will speak faith and that will believe. Here's what the Bible said. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you open your mind to the news and social media and all the movies and all the trash, you'll be discouraged. You'll want to take your life. There's no hope. But if you can come to church and hear the word of God, you can get around Christians that have lived for God victoriously for decade after decade after decade. You can get around people that say, let me show you how it's done because God did it in my life. And if he can do it with little old me, he can do it with little old you. You got to get out of that. Land of unbelief. Jesus led that man out of the city. And then as he led him out of the city, he touched his eyes, the blind man. And said, what do you see? He said, I see men as trees walking. Now, it wasn't a perfect healing. I don't want to see Brother Tuhig and call him a, a poplar or a maple. There's Brother Elm. There's, there's Sister Pine over there, amen. And that over there, that's Sister Prickly Bear. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Jesus touched her eyes. What do you, or touched his eyes. What do you see? I see men as trees walking. And then the Bible said, he touched it, touched him again. And he saw every man clearly. Now, the problem isn't with Jesus. Because we know he can do everything in a moment. But the problem is in the people, that's why in that city he said he could do no mighty work there because of what? Their unbelief. And so sometimes people have a, an inconsistent Christianity because their mind has been affected by the world. They hang around a bunch of people that down talk God and the word of God. They listen to and take in all the media that undercuts the knowledge and faith in God. And then they wonder why that when they pray, they don't see things take place. You can't put half your faith in the world and half your faith in God and expect either of them to work well. If I want, if I want this, if I want, if I say that I believe this chair can hold me up, it's not until I put my full weight on it that I could say, now I know it holds me. Amen? So when I come to Christianity, that's why a lot of people are, are frustrated in their Christianity. They want to be forgiven, but they won't put their full faith in the Word of God. They pick and choose the things that they like. Let me talk about prosperity. Let me talk about healing. But not, don't let me accept responsibility or accountability or the need to separate from the world. And so as long as they dwell in that halfway land of doubt and unbelief, they're frustrated in their Christianity. They are a tree that has no fruit. Peter described them as... Peter and Jude, clouds without water. Can you imagine? You're a farmer. You planted all the, the seeds, and all, all you can do is wait. Come on, rain. Come on, rain. Come on, rain. And then you see some clouds come, and you say, yeah, baby. And the clouds come by, and they keep on going, and there's no rain. So I can't believe you, you stinking lying clouds. Amen. That's what Peter was saying. They are clouds without water. They promise a rain. They promise some growth. They promise some blessing. But they don't pay off. 
And so a Christian that doesn't put their full faith in God, you've got to say, you say, well, I trust God to forgive me of my sins. Well, why don't you trust God that what he wrote in the Word of God is true? It's true about sexuality. It's true about separation from the world. It's true about marriage. It's true about our finances. It's true about who we hang out with. The Bible still says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Did you know that there are certain ivies? Some ivy is beautiful on the side of buildings. But some ivies that climb up trees, they can actually kill the tree. Because they suck. They keep the light from getting to the tree, and they suck the nutrients out of the tree. And so you'll talk to some arborists, they'll say, you got to get the ivy off the tree, but you got to be careful how you get it off the tree. you got to make sure you get the roots out, and you, you don't want to use some poisons, because that will affect the tree too. So when we are hanging around and we are fellowshipping with the unfruitful works of darkness, sometimes they are the ones that bring death to us we got to get around somebody that's going to encourage us. Man, I'm glad you're reading your Bible, sister, instead of somebody saying, you're reading that old book, what's wrong with you? we got to get around somebody that says, hey, I'll see you in church tonight, instead of somebody that says, hey, let's go to the club tonight. you got to get around somebody that says, man, I can't wait to Bible study, instead of hearing somebody say, man, I can't wait to get drunk. Hey, let's do this. We'll go and take the little bit of money we got. And we'll spend it on booze. And then this weekend, we'll get drunk. And we, even though we like each other, we'll fight each other. We'll steal each other's boyfriends and girlfriends. We'll share all the sexually transmitted diseases among each other. We'll wake up in jail or with black eyes. And on Monday, when we're hungover and we're late for work and we get in trouble, we'll text our friend, man, that was great. Let's do it again next weekend. Can't pay your light bill. Can't pay your car note. You got to get out of that world. Get out of the world of sin. Get out of the world of unbelief. And get out of the world of worldliness. Worldliness. Deion Sanders was interviewed about how to create a top-tier college football program. Of course, Deion Sanders was a um, previous NFL star, now coaching, and he said this, you got to have a plan, you got to have a plan, top tier equipment, facilities, people, but he says, but you got to have a man, you have to have a plan, but you got to have a man, someone that will push it forward. Now here's the thing, God has given us a plan, but in your life, you are the man. Or the woman. The plan is great if you do it. The, the plan is awesome if you do what God said. What did God say? He said, come out from the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Used to be you could go to church and you'd find everybody. Everybody was different. Ladies dressed modestly. Men were men. Women were women. Folks actually got married instead of living together for 20 years and calling themselves married. They didn't run to the pornography or the alcohol afterwards. They didn't even go to uh, uh, professional 
athletic games, didn't play cards and do things, because there were just certain things that you just wanted to be, you didn't want to be associated with the world. God tells us to come out from the world. You see, part of what happens once we get saved is, if you stay in that same world, it'll start sucking you back in. Now, it used to be you had to go to somebody else's world, but now the world's coming to your cell phone. <laughs> it's coming to your TV. It's coming to your, your computer at home. Now, nobody can control that but you. So God says, if you want to be different, you got to change your world. You got to be saved. You got to get out of unbelief. You got to stop being worldly. If it acts like a duck and it walks like a duck and it sounds like a duck, it's a duck. If you listen to worldly music and you talk like the world and you dress like the world, hey, we see crazy things. I'm almost done. Get ready, musicians. I read an article. You know, they've made marijuana legal. Now it's legal in Missouri, I guess casual, whatever they call it, uh, uh, recreational use. And I read an article. This pastor said, we are going to cultivate and sell marijuana. I'm going to, and this is not this pastor. I just want to be clear, okay. <laughs> I wasn't saying this pastor said. This, that guy out there said. <laughs> said, preacher, we're going to have double the folks next Sunday after that. <laughs> not that way we're not. Not that way. But this dude said, <laughs> he's a pastor of a church. We're going to cultivate and we're going to sell marijuana. I'm going to teach the young man how to farm. And I'm going to teach him how to be. No, he's just, he's just greedy and he wants the money. He wants people in church without them being changed. Listen, I used to smoke dope. I used to use all those drugs, too many to, to want to share with you. But there were definitely times that said, you know what, I want to be different. I don't want to be that way. I want to change. I want God to come into my life and give me a new beginning. And here's the thing. Yeah, we'll go ahead and sing that one. Uh, here's the thing. God wants us to be different and you can be different if you'll come to him. Come on, Reverend Tuig. If you'll come and say, Jesus, I want you to forgive me. Jesus, I want you to save me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Preacher, that may be the case in your world, but not mine. Change your world. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Reverend comes to lead the altar call.